This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. Manny will be back next Saturday. In just a few minutes, Brad McLeod of Sea Lovers will join us. But first, here are some of the week's top consumer stories. As British Columbia begins to reopen after the lockdown, our friends at Research Company asked BC folks about our views on whether 10 different business sectors should be eligible for a government bailout in order to continue offering their services. Now, across our province, the highest level of support for government assistance is for agri-food companies, individual municipalities, retailers, and news organizations. With two-thirds of British Columbians calling for financial assistance for retailers, the big question will be what to save and how. Before the pandemic, we had already seen corporations closing brick-and-mortar stores and moving to online models. Any additional assistance for retailers may have to focus more on avoiding layoffs and less in facilitating leases for large spaces. The public is divided on some other components of our economy. Just under half of us are in favor of allowing airlines and film and entertainment companies to be eligible for government bailouts. There are also some nuances on all questions when it comes to age. For example, BC folks aged 55 plus are the least likely to support bailouts in the areas of transportation, information, entertainment, and sports. There might be an ideological opposition to deficits from baby boomers, as well as growing concerns about present and future commitments. Younger residents appear to be more optimistic. British Columbians aged 35 to 54 with established careers and eager to return to life as it once was before the pandemic are more likely to want to save everything. B.C. residents aged 18 to 34 put news organizations ahead of sports leagues and franchises. Beginning in less than two weeks, trolley buses will no longer run along Broadway, and they won't be seen there for about five years in order to allow for safety constru- or safer construction of the Broadway subject uh, subway project expected to start in the fall. Now, the B-Line diesel buses will continue to run along the Broadway corridor corridor, which TransLink calls the busiest transit route in North America with more than 100,000 trips a day. The number nine trolley route will be switched to diesel buses beginning June 22nd as well, and other north-south trolley routes that run briefly along Broadway between Camby and Arbutus will also be diverted either to 12th or 4th. The $2.8 billion subway will run under Broadway from Great Northern Way all the way across to Arbutus Street. And unwilling to be outdone by North Vancouver, the city of Port Coquitlam said its residents may soon be able to enjoy an adult beverage at seven public parks within its borders after taking steps this week towards permitting responsible liquor consumption at selected parks. The city said it's preparing to launch the project at Castle, Settlers, Gates, Lions, Aggie, Evergreen, and Cedar Drive parks until the end of October this year. According to officials, these parks were chosen because they meet the criteria of the pilot project
project? Well, because they have washrooms, picnic tables, and shelters, and weekly or bi-weekly inspections. Mayor Brad West says this is part of our continued common sense approach. We're pleased to see this going forward, noting that with project with this project, rather, Port Coquitlam will be joining the many cities around the world that already allow adults to consume alcohol responsibly at parks. Bylaws enable Port Coquitlam's pilot project will come to the council meeting on June 23rd for consideration, which means responsible drinking of beer, wine, or spirits could be permitted at those seven parks as soon as June 24th. City of Vancouver continues to be hung up on territorial disputes between city council and the park board, so that issue remains unsolved for residents of the city of Vancouver. Those are some of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have a look at a few more later in the hour. Coming right up is Brad McLeod from Sea Lovers. Our guest this hour is one of the owners of Sea Lovers, the best fish and chips in town. A pleasure to welcome Brad McLeod to Vancouver Consumer. Hello, Brad. Hi, Sterling. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit. You're one of the big guys at Sea Lovers with a dozen locations across British Columbia. We'll get to the, the, the story behind how you found Sea Lovers and came to be as involved as you are in 2020. But let's talk about what's going on in 2020 right now. You have a dozen Sea, sea Lovers uh, restaurant locations across British Columbia. Uh, since the beginning of COVID-19, uh, you and all of those restaurants, Brad, have been open for takeout only. Is that correct? Yes, it is, Sterling. And it's actually, we have 11 locations in BC and one in Alberta in Edmonton. Oh, okay. That's right. our 12 locations. But we've all been open all the way through doing takeout service. Okay, you got me on a technicality with that Alberta okay. thing. <laughs> but you're, the, the point here is that you are fortunate, my friend, in being uh, the owner of a company that sells a very popular product. And for people to take out fish and chips, Brad, is just a pretty normal thing. It's not an unusual thing to order takeout fish and chips at all. So how's business been, given that you can't have anybody inside? How's that takeout volume been for you? It's been it's been very good for us. We already had a good base of takeout and um, before the COVID started. And when we, we turned around to 100% takeout, um, sales were down overall, but... Uh, we have done substantially better than most restaurants in the industry and that we're running now about 80% of what our total sales are compared to last year. Uh, just in takeout alone. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, and again, yeah. I suppose it's the advantage of uh, of selling a really popular product that folks are just fine with taking out fish and chips. It's not an unusual thing at all, is it? No, it's not. It's 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 a it's a very common old time practice of doing takeout we still wrap it in newsprint like we did in the old days and it's the perfect item to come by pick up and take home to the family for dinner now we'll talk about what's going to happen when uh, sea lovers uh, starts opening there's locations brad and that's going to start happening in the next uh, very short while but let's talk about the story because there was once upon a time a kid in coquitlam named brad mcleod who along with his buddies used to go to sea lovers in pine tree village for takeout fish and chips that was your first contact with sea lovers wasn't it Yes, it was. I used to go there every Saturday for lunch, and that's how I got to know uh, Mike and Cheryl Clover that started Sea Lovers and got involved with them back in the early 90s, and we opened our first location. My business partner, Rick, and I opened in uh, Langley back in 95. 
So uh, you were a customer first, uh, developed yep. a fondness for the brand, and eventually, as you grew a little bit older, recognized that not only was this tasty and, and a good habit to have, given that you had had it for years, but possibly a person could make a buck selling fish and chips. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Now we operate the four corporate locations in Langley, Abbotsford, Vernon, and Kamloops. And the rest of the locations, including Edmondson, are owned by franchisees. Is that how it works, Brad? Yes, they are. They're all local franchisees in those areas. Okay, now let's talk about, and I'm assuming that Edmonton may be a little different from the 11 locations in British Columbia, given that their their regs are slightly different than ours. But let's talk about those 11 locations from the Okanagan right here to the coast. What, and Dr. Henry just released some new guidelines here for us, Brad, a couple of days ago on Thursday afternoon. So brand new uh, guidelines and regulations for restaurateurs like yourself to follow. So what's going to happen when Sea Lovers Fish and Chips locations open for dining in? Well, it's our biggest factor is working on the social distancing. Some of our locations are bigger than others, and we're just going through the regulations right now, taking the time to make sure we understand them and our staff are trained to be able to follow them. And then we are going to be working on each location one by one with the new layout to see what kind of seating capacity we can work to with the change that was made yesterday. Now, there were there was some uh, consideration given by Dr. Henry recognizing the economic reality that half a house may not cut it for some businesses in terms of just being able to stay alive. So she's allowing for, and with municipal cooperation, of course, is allowing for, for example, more patio space to increase the the, the seated customer base. Are you going to be able to respond at Sea Lovers with perhaps a few more outdoor tables at all, Brad? We, in some of our locations, we have existing patios, and we are looking at that right now at some of the locations, if the patio idea is able to work or not. Most of ours are in the locations, the way they lay out, it's not always optimal because the volume of takeout we do as well, which we believe will still stay high throughout this, we've got to work on coordination of the social distancing and handling those takeout customers as well, because we want to make sure we can always take care of those customers as well. Absolutely. So you have to create almost like a two-track operation, the takeout side and the sit-down side, right? Yes. Yes, definitely. Okay. So that's one of the things we're working on right now. And and so now let's talk a little bit about, because restaurateurs are in a bit of a pickle here, aren't you? Because you need to follow these guidelines in order to be able to reopen. And yet, in, in the case of many restaurateurs, Brad, there's not a lot of cash in the kitty to be able to get out there and, and, and buy all of these uh, add-ons and whatnot. So in your case, in addition to a tape measure for getting that social distancing the appropriate distance, what other modifications have you had to make to your places? Well, the biggest, biggest thing is trying to find that very hot commodity out there right now called plexiglass or acrylic plastic. Oh, yeah. It, it's not only very expensive, it's very hard to get as well. And that, that's the biggest challenge right now is being able to get enough plexiglass uh, or acrylic, as they call it, um, to be able to do what we want to do in our locations to make up dividers and that so we can meet the guidelines and get adequate seating 
to make it cost effective to open those dining rooms. Yeah, and and the other part of the component is staff, uh, because of course yeah. you you're you're uh, all servers and and uh, restaurant staff have already passed a basic uh, British Columbia uh, service uh, protocol questionnaire and that kind of thing. But uh, in addition to that, what new requirements are there for serving staff and ki- kitchen staff uh, once you reopen, Brad? Well, we've 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 kind of implemented new protocol right from day one because as we stayed open um, in our kitchens for takeout uh, in regards to sanitation guidelines, and that we we've always followed health code issues in the restaurant industry, so we've always had strict guidelines. So it was just increasing um, those items in regards to making sure uh, people outside people weren't entering our kitchens that we didn't know doing logs for deliveries and, and so on and keeping controls that way, more intense sanitation guidelines and, and overall cleanup at the end of the night for sanitizing. And now with the dining rooms opening up, it'll be bringing in our, our serving staff and going through those regulations with them and getting them on board in regards to a stricter and more intense, uh, sanitizing guidelines for the dining rooms as well have you got a lot of staff people kind of banging on the door going geez uh, we'd really like to get back to work here mr mcleod uh, can you give us an opening date I, I imagine there's more than a little excitement about the possibility of returning to work there there is but as the industry it's surprising there still is a labor shortage in the industry um there was before the covid started and with the opening we're going to need more staff than we had before because with these guidelines we need more staff in place because there's a lot more uh, for the staff to do. So we're going to need more bodies in the stores as well. So staffing's an issue we're trying to do, deal with right now to, to get enough staff back to be able to open with the new guidelines. Right. And do you have a specific target date or are you just going to wait until all the ducks are in a row and then we'll open them up? We're going to wait till all the ducks are in a row, and we're going to stagger the openings of, of locations as well. Uh, different Every location has its specific um, things that we need to look at with the layouts and, and how they are and the volume of business they do. So we're, we're going to do it at a staggered, slow pace to make sure we do it right. We're not trying to um, just switch, flick a switch and tomorrow open them all up. We want to do it very slowly and staggered so we make sure we take care of our staff and our customers properly. Interesting stuff. I want to change gears on you a little bit, Mr. McLeod, because I want to talk to you about sustainability in, in, in seafood harvesting. And one of the things that you prominently display on your website uh, is 100% ocean-wise. And you've even got a, a button you can click on on the website. Talk to us about 100% ocean-wise and your, your involvement with the aquarium. Yes, uh, we got on board um, with OceanWise um, and then started working towards going to 100% um, with our menu items. When we first started, we were about 50% OceanWise, and then it over about a two-year period, we were able to switch our, our menu items over and our suppliers over to 100% OceanWise. And it's something that we're very proud of, and we work very hard to do, and the aquarium's been very good to work with. What is ocean to helping us? What does it mean, Brad, when you've, you've switched, uh, you've increased your, your ocean-wise volume of, of uh, product from 50 now to 100%. So for the customer coming into a sea lover's location, what does that mean? Every seafood product we, we sell, we purchase, and then in turn sell, uh, is 100% ocean-wise certified by the Vancouver Aquarium. Uh-huh. 
and, and what OceanWise means in a quick abbreviation kind of thing is it's that that particular seafood item is harvested and maintained in a um, controlled manner in that in regards to that it's not only that it's a sustainable item, it's also how it's monitored, the catch, the methods of catch, and how it's processed and handled throughout the chain and to make sure it's all controlled that way. Um, that was, so it'll be there for the future. I was just going to say, A, it would provide for, a, a, one would think, a longer horizon uh, harvesting capability. And also, you got to think at the same time, you're also doing a pretty a pretty tough quality control check in terms of what, yeah. what, what, what degree or what quality of product hits the customer's plates, aren't you? Yes, it's not only just where the item's caught and if it's caught in a certain way, it's how it's handled, how it's processed in the plant, how they track that specific species and what the catches are and bycatch and everything else. So it's it's a long process to get an item to make sure it is 100% ocean-wise approved. Now, why did you take this step in the first place, Brad? Back us up to when uh, you, you sat down and, and you decided consciously, okay, we're going to make a change here and here's why. Well, the industry, we've been around for 35 years, and I want us to be around for a lot longer uh, than that and move forward. And the seafood industry, a lot of people remember back in the day, the East Coast cod fishery was was basically devastated yes. to not, almost non-existent, and that was from overfishing and no control. Mm-hmm. And by it's it's our best interest to make sure that the product is there for the future because without those products we're not going to have a business. And we realize we need to get and be part of this to make sure it's around for the future. Because if we don't have good seafood, there won't be a business to have. Well, that's right. And of course, the cod fishery uh, managed out of existence by the Department of Fisheries and Ocean. So uh, when you come to something like Ocean Wise here on the Pacific Coast, who's in charge? Is it the Vancouver Aquarium, the umbrella organization that kind of keeps a supervisory watch on all of this stuff? Yes, they are. They, they are ocean-wise, is a Vancouver Aquarium. And they've done a very good job promoting promoting it and being able to work with them. They've been a very good operation to work with as well. And, of course, they've not been without a few problems of their own, and it's nice to see the community rallying around them. In some, I mean, the Vancouver Whitecaps and the masks yep. and all sorts of different community groups. Uh, the aquarium matters, and not just because they're supervising sustainable seafood uh, practices on the west coast of Canada, but it matters a whole lot to Vancouverites. Uh, Brad, I need to take a break for the news. Can you stand by and come back with us and talk a little bit more? Sure. Our guest is Brad McLeod. He is the uh, uh, owner of Sea Lovers, the best fish and chips in town. You can check them out online at sea-lovers, the the letter c-lovers.com. On the line with me is Brad McLeod. He is the owner of Sea Lovers Fish and Chips, the best fish and chips in town with 11 locations in British Columbia from the Okanagan to the coast and one in Edmonton because Alberta needs to learn about Sea Lovers and what a great place to start. Uh, Brad, you were talking earlier about the good fortune that you've had by being a fish and chips company. You have takeout fish and chips that people in Canada have been ordering all of their lives. You started at Sea Lovers when you were a kid in high school in Coquitlam ordering takeouts. So that has managed to sustain some of your business right through this whole COVID-19 experience. Uh, But 
uh, part of that has to do with loyalty as well. Not only the fact that you have a product that is very takeoutable, if there is such a word, <laughs> you, you've also got a lot of people who really like it and who keep coming back. Yes, we've been very fortunate to get the support from our customers, and we were very surprised by the customers. We have our regular takeout customers, but we also have our regular dining customers that switched over to doing takeout because they just couldn't do without their sea lovers fix ah. per se. And we've been very lucky with the support that we've got from our customers uh, throughout this whole process. And I know they're out there dying for us to get our dining rooms reopened so they can come in and get the great staff service that they've always got and get to see all the servers that they've got to know. Sure. And that's what we're working on now is to go to that next step. But throughout this process, which has enabled us to stay going, has been the support of our customers coming in and getting takeout direct from us uh, on a weekly basis. You and I have, and to, have talked here on CKNW in the past about this next item, and, and I'm, I'm interested if you're still as, as feel have such strong feelings as you did uh, a few uh, weeks ago when we talked on the morning show. And this has to do with third-party delivery services, your Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats and all of those other uh, third parties who uh, will, you can call, you can use their app, and I'll have one of those, and I'll have some of these. And uh, you're not uh, as big a supporter of these third-party delivery services as are perhaps some of their customers, and it's because of the percentage of the action that they take off the top. Uh, no profit allowed when you're when you're dealing with operations like that. They kind of take that out of the picture, don't they? Yes, they do, and that's that's the problem. The restaurant industry operates on a very fine margin, and to take twenty or thirty percent off the top. Uh, to a third-party delivery company, it, it's just not it's not viable, and that and we've always stood our ground is we won't do it because it it just does not at this time at those kind of rates it's not profitable for us to right. be able to operate, and if we're not profitable we won't be around, and and we're here for the long haul we've been around for thirty five years we plan on being around for a long time and getting into that area of of selling product we're at at a loss. It just doesn't work for us, yeah. and we just we won't. And also, we don't have control over once that product leaves our store on how it's handled and so on and so forth. And that's another reason that we have concern as well. Yeah, and you so you've made a conscious executive decision right from the get go, yeah. just just to not to play in on that field at all. Yeah, not it, not as it stands now that we we won't even consider it right now until the market changes uh, and it becomes a reason, reasonable cost. Uh, for restaurants and that, but at the time now, there's just there's no mo- there's no money in it. I mean, you can't sell a product at a loss, and and that and, and they'll sell you on oh it's added business and and so on. It's 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 not from what I've seen. Some of it may be new business, but most of it's existing customers choosing to order it and have it delivered to their home. But you can't sell it at a loss. You won't stand business. Absolutely. Of course, there is a convenience element that you've just identified that is difficult to avoid. However, again, you have the incredible good fortune, Brad, to be selling a product that people have been literally taking out their whole lives. Yes. And and, and we are lucky than most to have a base of takeout customers already when this COVID hit that it's, it's always been a big part of our business and it's an item that does travel uh, well 
and works great for takeout for families. So we've been lucky in that way that we had that base and it, and it carried on and, and, and that throughout this. Now, uh, I'm just curious about the kitchen staff. Uh, for We talked about the, the staff and some of the preparations uh, and the new rules and regs. You're, you were doing a, a manual for your staff that had to be rewritten, at least parts of it, yesterday or on Thursday, rather, when Dr. Henry made her announcement. Uh, but you, you are preparing a, a whole set of, of uh, uh, guidelines for your staff. The kitchen people have been, uh, been coming to work every day and, and creating all those uh, wonderful take out orders of fish and chips, but not a whole lot else. I'll bet you they're looking forward to uh, an expanded menu that's a, a little more interesting, shall we say, for them to work on. Yeah, definitely. We we have kept our, our takeout menu is is virtually the same as our dining menu. Um, so we have we have had that go along, but we do a lot of interaction with our ours are open kitchens. So our our kitchen staff interact with our customers quite a bit. Yeah. And and with the the volume of takeout we've been doing and how takeout is done with the volume we're at now, they don't get to spend the time and there's big plexiglass sheets in front of everybody and, and all that. So it is definitely a different change for them from what they're used to and in interacting with the customers and so on and so forth. Interesting. But, you know, you were yeah. ta- you were just talking a few minutes ago about uh, about, about margins and, and how, yep. uh, how thin some of the margins are in the hospitality industry, specifically restaurants. So I have to ask you about all you can eat because that's always struck me as being a, <laughs> a, been a, been a bit of risk from the point of view of, well, here's the buffet or here's this item and you could just eat until you fall down and it'll only cost you fifteen ninety nine or three bucks more if you want to buy a glass of beer with it. And that's the actual price for all-you-can-eat fish and chips at, at Sea Lovers. I, 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 I mean, I guess not everybody comes in and eat 12 pieces, but it's always struck me as being kind of high risk. How do you approach that? It is. It's, 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 a, it's a law of averages. And that, yes, there are people that do come in and eat a lot. And, that, and that's part of the advantage of, of the product. And that, but generally, most people's their eyes are bigger than their their tummies are. Sure, sure. And that, and and overall, it works out very good for us. It works out very good. The customers are more than happy. It's a great product for for people, and the people with the big appetite get to be go home with a full tummy. Well, I was just going to say, and even if you can't finish it all, you just wrap it in newspaper and take it home anyway. Yes. Yes. If it's your first plate, we don't let second plates get wrapped up and go home though. Oh, well that's that's fair. I mean there yeah. do have to, it does have to be some kind of limitation, but yeah. clearly clearly it's a popular item. Oh, it's very popular. Yes, it's it's prob it's it's in our dine-in uh, menu it is the probably number one item at most most of our locations. It's the number one selling item. Ah, okay. And, and let's talk about some of the other uh, items. Because, you know, when you, you think of sea lovers, you think fish and chips, of course. But uh, now, I, I recently, not recently, a couple of months back, I had lunch uh, before the pandemic and before we could, while we still could have lunch. Uh, a bunch of us uh, former broadcasters and uh, those of some of us who are still working uh, got together at the sea lovers down there on the King George Highway in, in uh, South Surrey, White Rock. And it was an old NW gang. Frosty was even there for crying out loud. We had a great meal and a great time. The service was fun and the food was fantastic. Uh, and it wasn't all fish and chips by any stretch of the imagination. Looking around the table, uh, they they worked the whole menu. The crowd I was with, Brad. Yes, yes, we're 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 known. We 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 have our full selection of our seafood items, but it's not just fish and chips. 
We have oysters. We have prawns. Uh, we have what my kids always said was the best uh, best chicken strips around, uh, and that. And we do them the same way we do our fish. They're all brought in chicken, and we cut it all up and portion in house. Everything we do in, is in a house. Uh, prep wise, our chowder's made from scratch. Uh, every day we use the bones from our halibut to to do the broth, and we use the trimming from cutting the fish in house um, to make up our chowder and and so on. So we still do everything the old way. We still bring in hundred pound sacks of whole potatoes, Kennebec potatoes from out in Delta, uh-huh. and we we peel and chip them in house. Uh, every day, all day long, we're being chipped in the back. And you do have uh, smaller sizes for uh, small people or people with smaller appetites? Yes, we do. We have we have smaller portion meals for children and people with smaller appetites. Um, and that definitely we do. So when when everything comes back to normal, okay, let, let me rephrase that because that's that <laughs> could that could be a bit down the road. Do you get the feeling, Brad, that when we start talking about well, you know, when things get back to normal, that you're talking about something that's going to take probably until next year? Do you get that feeling that whatever uh, investments you're making these days in in plexiglass or whatever the proper word you used for it, and all the other modifications, that's not just for the summer. You you get the feeling this is going to be here for a while, don't you? Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, it, it's it's hard to say. I don't have a crystal ball of by course. any means. And the job that Dr. Henry is doing is unbelievable guiding BC. We're lucky to be where we are, sure are in the position we're in compared to a lot of places in the world. And, that, and yeah, there's still that unknown ahead of us of where we're going to be. And the province is going in a very good direction. And we've had good guidance in that way. And the confidence level of the consumer, I think, is changing uh, weekly with the numbers where they're at. But I believe these measures are going to be around for a while. And it, I guess it comes down to depending what the numbers are and what Dr. Henry has to say. Indeed. But, yeah. You get, but you... I think you'll see restaurants designed differently in the future as well. And uh, we've talked about that as well, is that we would, if we were building a new location, like we're looking for a space in Maple Ridge right now ah. uh, for a location there, and we will design it differently uh, than we would before pre-COVID, just because of we can see what things have changed and the way things are going to be in the future that we definitely design different. Interesting. As you, the restaurateur, look to expand in the future, would patios be an important asset to consider in looking at locations because of the advantage that suddenly affords some restaurants now? Um, yeah, yes and no. The, the biggest trouble with patios in, in our climate, restaurants, you need to make money year-round. Yeah. And you, we, we're very limited, as you can see, our wonderful summer day we're having today <laughs> out here in D.C. Uh, patios aren't always the best solution to that. In this time right now, in the summertime, it's the best thing we can hope for right now with the expansion of patios and that to help out those restaurants. I think what we'll look at in the future is larger square footages so that we're able to spread out our seating to meet more proper social distancing in the future. And that's where a location we might have looked at a 21 or 2200 square foot space, we'd probably go more towards 25 to 3000 square foot space because we need the year round seating. Sure. The, sure. The July and August won't save us throughout the year, sort of an idea. Yeah, sitting on a patio at the edge of the rainforest in February is not something I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I can no, tell you no, 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 definitely, definitely. So, so that that's going to be a concern 
in the future is is the size of restaurants. You're going to have to look at that with your dining room seating capacity and layouts and stuff in the future. Brad McLeod, we've only got a minute or so left, and you made reference a moment or two ago about consumer confidence, and you're seeing more and more of us starting to timidly, however timidly, stick our heads inside restaurants and decide, yeah, we should go back. What can you tell uh, listeners right here on CKNW this afternoon, Brad, to kind of enhance that sense of confidence that, I mean, it's so cool to have somebody else do the cooking and especially the cleaning up, and the socializing is great, but there's still a kind of a an antsy kind of a concern vibe going on. Talk to, to potential customers about coming back yeah. to dining. All I can all I can say is we're that's why we're delaying opening our dining room right now. We're making sure we get this right, and we are making every effort to train our staff, put in procedures to make sure both our customers and our staff are safe to come back to our dining rooms. And that's our biggest focus right now is getting things correct and getting our staff trained so we can take care of our customers and they can come back and enjoy the atmosphere and the food in our dining rooms like we had before. And as far as notification, when the restaurants are open for dining in, I'm sure the ads will be here on CKNW, right? Oh, yes, they will. They're in the works right now as we speak. Well, we so wish you... They will be on NW and on our Facebook page and our website. Well, we wish you considerable success when that does happen, Brad McLeod. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Best of luck to you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sterling. And once again, our thanks to Brad McLeod for a very informative visit from Sea Lovers, the best fish and chips in town. Manny's back next Sunday. John Carlson is up next. And it's time now for Ask Andrew. And this time, Andrew, it's all about that drive through food truck festival this weekend. What's going on and where? Yeah, so... As as we speak, actually, uh, both today and tomorrow, the uh, first drive-through summer food truck festival is going to be happening at the uh, Christian Life Assembly. Uh, that's on Fifty Sixth Avenue in uh, in Langley, uh, and also Tradex is happening. That's tomorrow's is happening. It's going to be at Tradex uh, in Abbotsford. Okay, and so you know. For the food truck industry has been hit pretty hard with the fact that people have, you know, decided to kind of stay in. There's a lot less face-to-face talking. And so food trucks don't really have the resources, a lot of them, to, you know, really get on board with third-party, like, delivery apps. Oh, you sure. can't really, you know. I know, I, th- I believe there's a couple that have, you know, the spaces and the ability to, to make uh, delivery apps a possibility for them. But for the vast majority of them, they've, you know, they've either had to temporarily shut shop and walk or they've had to try and find new ways of getting things done. So having this drive-through food truck festival where you can, you know, safely stay in your vehicle and still support, you know, your local food trucks is, I think, an excellent idea. And I, I like, it's something that I think we should really maybe have more of. Oh, it's like we did the drive-through with those mini donuts down at the PNE a few weeks ago. This is the same kind of idea, right? There's actually another mini donut drive-through happening in Abbotsford next week. So <laughs> you bring that up and there you go. So you've got a, it'll be happening from there. It started this morning at 11 a.m. It's going on until 6 p.m. tonight uh, at the Christian Life Assembly in Langley. And tomorrow it'll be 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, at the Tradex in Abbotsford. There you go. The drive-through food truck festival. Thank you, Andrew. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before the new the BC government has created a ministerial order protecting amateur sports organizations, their employees, and volunteers from liability. The change for, will allow for not-for-profit sports leagues to be and running up and running sooner than provided they are complying with public health orders and provincial sport guidelines. Provincial and local sports organizations are having challenges obtaining adequate insurance as a result of the pandemic. Most insurance companies are not providing coverage for COVID. 
COVID-19-related damages, meaning many amateur sports were unable to provide sport programming during the pandemic. So under the new rules, a sports organization or its representatives will not be liable for a a participant rather in their sports program being exposed to COVID-19 as a result of that participation. The protection is in place as long as a sports organization follows the provincial guidelines outlined in Via Sports Return to Sport protocols. The guidelines include hand washing, regular disinfecting, limiting shared equipment, physical distancing, and the use of wellness questionnaires and health self-assessment tools. All the info regarding getting your team back up and into the game is available at Via Sport, V-I-A-S-P-O-R-T, viasport.ca. And one of Metro Vancouver's most popular summertime events has decided to bow out of the 2020 season due to COVID-19. North Van's Shipyards Night Market has announced they have officially cancelled this year's festivities. As Andrew told us last hour, the Richmond Night Market indicated in April we could expect more on their event later in June. The official opening was to have been May 8th. Meanwhile, the Vancouver Art Gallery, which has also been closed since March 16th, will reopen next Monday, June 15th. Of course, there will be extra safety protocols in place. Tickets only online. Be prepared to wear a mask and practice physical distancing. Family groups are welcome back to the Art Gallery in Vancouver, effective Monday. I'm Sterling Fox. The news is next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.